Wait a minute, you're at me. Can we get something on? And now it's time for the 12 Sided Guys podcast. Yay! Yay! I hope I'm the smile winner. (laughs) (laughs) We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Joff. That's me. Very confused. (laughs) Jordan as Evie. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, with a little throwback introduction that only the kids that grew up in the Portland metro area will understand. But thanks for indulging me. If you'll indulge me further, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. That's one, two-sided guys for some more content, including bonus episodes, a wiki, maps, and battle maps. Also, if you can leave us a review and a rating on your favorite podcasting app, it will help other people find us. And what greater gift can you give to humanity than helping other people find the joy that you experience every time you listen to our melodious voices spinning a tale of adventure, love, mystery, and magic crystal pizza shields? Anyway. If you ever woke up on a sacrificial altar about to be executed by a gargoyle only to be rescued by your old friends Shimino, Yolo, and Dupre, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 29. Okay, to all my Portland peeps out there, anybody remember Ramblin' Rod? Oh, oh I do. my gosh. What you said was so familiar, but I could not, it could, nothing came to mind. Ramblin' Rod is what's missing for today's children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure my older sister was on that show. Oh, we were too. I was on it. Yep, we were on it. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I was not the smile winner. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, all right, guys. Hey, thanks for indulging me on that one. That was a a deep, deep cut. Okay. Last time we were together, you guys um, did some exploring through the catacombs underneath Arkovy as you were pursued by these unknown assailants. You were in the middle of talking with uh, Nilla, the wilted rose, and her allies, Bordemus, and some guy with blue skin that you didn't know. When the door opened up and you heard voices calling you out to come and uh, and surrender, you guys said, yeah, right. Um, and then the man with blue skin grabbed Nilla, not in a bad way, but said, hey, I'm going to get her out of here. And then he did some kind of weird water magic and they were gone out of your sight. Um, you and Bordemus, the red skinned knight managed to get away through um, some of the tunnels deeper down under the city after a very harrowing fight with a wraith and a few specters um, you manage to wind your way through um, some more of these tombs that are full of sarcophagi bones fallen rubble until you found a room that was full of roots and overgrowth kind of pushing through the stone walls of these of these catacombs Uh, you found another hallway that then led to a room that was blocked off by a gate. You managed to get through there. Gigi made an appearance again. Yay! And then you guys managed to close that gate as Joff went up some stairs to investigate and find out where in the world you guys are. And that is where we were at at this point. Okay. The rest of you are waiting down below. Joff, you go up these stairs and um, I'm I'm guessing you took the red candle with you because otherwise you don't have a way to see. Yeah. and as you get to the top of the stairs, eventually you see that there is, I mean, you go up for quite a ways. Um, you imagine you've climbed probably uh, 50, 60 feet. 
uh, at this point. And at the top of the stairs, there is a, no, it's more than 50 or 60 feet. It's like a hundred feet. Um, there is a trap door. Um, and as you get to the top, you push it and you see that it is not locked. Okay. I'll poke my head into the room and kind of look around to see what's in there. As you push open the trap door, you see that this trap door is kind of uh, on the floor in the corner of what can only be described as like some kind of a shed. There is um, pitchforks and shovels, some like uh, lawn implements. There is um, a box full of um, some kind of like uh, seeds. There's a bags of fertilizer. You can smell it. Um, and uh, you imagine you are in some kind of a shed. It is, um, it's a pretty good size shed. It looks pretty um, um, well-maintained. But yeah, you are in some kind of a shed with lawn care equipment. There's nobody in sight. Oh, and there is a door that leads out um, on one one of the walls. Before I go back down for the group, I'd like to poke my head outside that door as quietly as I can. Okay. You go to open the door and it is also unlocked. And as you poke your head out, you can see that there is uh, green lush grass. You see some bushes that, I mean, it is autumn. So some of these bushes have lost some of their leaves, um, but there is uh, hedges, there is paths. And you recognize that you must be somewhere in Everly Park. Okay. I don't see anything out of the ordinary, no like sudden movements or anything like that. Uh, make a perception check or investigation. Okay. Perception if you're just going to take a quick peek. Mm, I don't want to take too long, so I will do perception. Okay. I rolled a, a 19 for the perception check. As you peek out, you don't see anything moving except for the gentle sway of some of these uh, trees in the wind and the bushes kind of make a rustle. But that's that's all you see in here. Okay. I'll quietly close the door and make my way back down to the group. Okay. How many skipping rocks did you find, uh, Pine? I was going to say, as you come back down, <laughs> as, as, as Roos is doing all that, Pine is over there talking with Bordemus, and he says, No, flat on one side is okay, but what you really want is rounded corners, flat on top and bottom, like this one. And I'm going to do an uh, investigation check. <laughs> and I found a good one. That's, there you go. <laughs> what did you roll for your rock finding? I rolled a 17 on investigation. Okay, and Bordemus is nodding, saying, yes, I see. And then he turns to Nari and he says, um, I, I really don't think this is the time for that. <laughs> just <laughs> just then, indulge him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so you see, so this one, will, this one will be great for skipping. By the way, who's the blue guy? Oh, um, he's an ally of ours. His his name is Thilo. He, um, he's, he's a unique one. He's, like, he's not much of a fighter, but um, he's got some... Some skills, some some you know, I guess magical powers. I guess he's got some control over water that I can't even begin to comprehend, and um, and he's been a valuable ally. But um, uh, hopefully, he managed to get Nilla safe. Did you have any other safe houses you could get her to? I mean, don't say where it would be because you know, bad haircut over here could be a microphone for for uh, Aaliyah Brava. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. He says. If Thilo can get her out, then yes, there is a safe place that she can go. Nari, I, no offense, but we must get you to a hairdresser immediately. <laughs> no, you're you're right. This is very embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about how we feel. We're with you. <laughs> That's true. You guys have to see it more than I do. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, just at that moment, Joff comes back down the stairs. Are you guys giving Nari a hard time about her hair still? Just, just joshing, just joshing <laughs> among friends. All right. 
the way's clear. There's a little looks like a, a shed upstairs with some gardening tools, and then it leads out into Emberly Park. So let's make our way and let's get out of here. Where to once we get to the surface? Well, they will be able to track Nari wherever we go. So do we go straight to Aaliyah Brava then? Take her out of the picture? I'm not saying that's what we should do. I'm saying that is an option. Bordemus kind of shakes his head. What do you want to do, Nari? Well, I mean, how how far do you think she can track us? Should we... I, I don't really want to leave the city with Nilla here. I'd prefer to settle things before we go, but... Obviously, if I can be tracked, that's not very helpful. We could go confront her, but we'd be walking into a viper's den. Literally. Bordemus says, there's, there's no way we can get into Everly Manor. It's, it's guarded. I mean, there's, there's five of us. I've gotten into some places I shouldn't be before. I might have something that we could try to do. I'm not sure if this would work. But I've been working on trying to use the magical flow to actually pull magic away from something, almost dispelling it, if you if you know what I mean. Like, you could dispel mystical powers? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, in a, in a way, I think so, at least. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if this would work, but we could try it. If you're able, if you have the resources, yes. Let's give it a shot. So Ebby is going to try to cast with his last third level spell slot, Dispel Magic on Nari. I believe it's called Dispel Mystical Powers. Dispel Mystical (laughs) Powers on Nari. (laughs) Okay, let me see. Can this also fix my hair, too? Because that would be really clutch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, here's what we'll say. I am going to need, Ebby, I'm going to need you to make a um, a check. You need to make a um, use your spellcasting ability, which would be wisdom, I do believe, for you. All right. Here we go, guys. Oh, terrible. Ebby rolled a six. He rolled a two plus four for six. You can feel it catching hold of something, but whatever magic is um, is in at play is more powerful than um, than your spell. Uh, There's something there. I think it could work, but I have used all of my reserves to power such a such a feat. Well, maybe I could somehow distract them and lead them astray while you guys are able to I mean maybe get Nilla to safety and then we can just leave the city do we know where Nilla is I think the less we know the safer she is you can see that Bordemus is getting a little bit um, angry is the wrong word but he's getting kind of um, upset and he's like no no, we've worked too too hard to get to this point no we can't we can't just give up on Arkelvy I won't give up on Arkelvy. I mean no offense by this, but what on Pavantis did you even accomplish with just the three of you? We were creating a new network. It takes time. And if we were to start over, who knows if we would be as lucky this time with what few connections we did have. A quick question for you, Bortimer. Um, When those individuals came to track us down, those didn't seem like imperial soldiers. We've we've faced a fair few of those. 
Um, any thoughts on who or what group that might be? He says, well, um, good sir, my my name is Bordemus. I, I don't mean to be rude, but Bordemus, not Bordemur. Although Bordemur does sound like a better name now that I think about it. <laughs> 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 he says, um, no, I believe it was some of uh, Aaliyah Brava's uh, personal mercenaries that she's hired. I got a quick glance. It looked like... It looked like the one that was uh, trying to take shots at us with the bow. It looks like he was, um, his tattoo markings, they were, let's see if he can make a check and figure it out. They were not from around here. <laughs> he rolled a three. <laughs> they were not from around here. Or maybe they were, but they were tattoos. <laughs> I, I did see a tattoo. They were not, they were not um, Arcolvian. They were not Almerian Empire-esque. They were, they were from somewhere else. So not, not, not a local boy. Well, we do have a couple, we do have some resources. Um, and I'll pull out the Imperial officer's jacket that I took um, many sessions ago um, in the woods. I was like, I've been holding on to this. This may give us, at least one of us, access to Eberly Manor. Well... If one of you wants to go and pretend to be an officer, I can do my best to sneak in and assist whoever is doing that. I don't love the idea of it, but I could assist or at least go as a deacon. That's a phenomenal idea. And I suppose I can try and distract them by walking the opposite direction? I don't know. <laughs> or you could be a prisoner. That's true. We could have you shackled and we could bring you in. But only pretend shackled. Well, especially with Ebby. Um, yeah, no, that would make sense. She would have seen us in the streets with Nari. Well, I did need a haircut. Bordemer says, and I'm pretty sure that, the, that at least one of her mercenaries saw some of us as well. The light was very red and then really bright. Details might have been hard to see. That's true. Plus, I wouldn't assume that mercenary is, is out of the catacombs yet. Well, not necessarily. You're right. Um, it is probably about oh, two or three o'clock in the morning at this point. That means we have a window of time while they are in the catacombs and she is unprotected. At least less protected. We could we could give it a go, but I'm I'm running low on magical energy. I just want to make that clear for whatever it's worth. My resources have been tapped as well till till I've had some time to rest. Yeah, I could take a nap and maybe a, a trip to the bathhouse. I feel really musky after all of this traveling in the catacombs. They were quite quite gringy. Yes, the the gringe <laughs> it, it just clings. <laughs> they were. <laughs> yes, but Adi. So I suppose we find ourselves in kind of a predicament. We could either go now and attempt to capitalize on the fact that perhaps many of the soldiers or, or foot soldiers of her group are down below, or we could wait until we're at full strength and then go. Can, can we also just. We just blew by the fact that somebody said, yes, but Adi. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, who said that? I wasn't sure if anyone heard it or not. And then I heard you laughing just slightly in the back. I'm like, okay, Matt heard it. Matt got it. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. Okay. We have a predicament. Um, there's no telling how many forces she currently would have in um, Everly Manor. But she will have more at her disposal should we rest. Yes, but we have less now at our disposal. That's Bordemus talking. There, there is, I, I believe there was some talk of visiting the Temple of Erdos as well. Maybe they could help us. Are they still open? They never close. Well, let's get Nari there, see if they can't undo whatever mind-altering thing that, that was put on her head. I still, it's, it's repulsive. I, I can't believe anyone would ever do such a thing. I think that's a great idea. I know, my hair was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Temple of Verdas, hairdresser, and then we'll make a plan. Bathhouse. Bath, bathhouse, hairdresser. <laughs> Maybe we could buy some more chamber pots while we're out. <laughs> <laughs> Temple of Erdos, let's go. Lead the way, whoever knows. Bordemus says, I can, I can show you. It's actually not far from here. Um, if, we, if we are in the park, if we're in uh, Everly Park, we might be able to slip out um, through some of the houses that border on the, uh, on the northern side. And the Temple of Erdos is, is quite close. All right, lead the way. We'll follow. Let's go. He says you might want to snuff that red candle at this point. Okay, so I'll uh, plug one nostril in. (laughs) 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 That's how you put those ones out? No, it's snuff. Okay. Uh, No, yeah, I'll I'll blow it. I'll put it out. Um, Bordemus kind of opens the door to the shed. He kind of takes a quick peek left and quick peek right. Um, And then he will exit out um, into the um, Everly Park. Um, And you guys all follow, I take it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Stealthily, though. Like, stealthily. carefully. Yes. Like, I'm sneaking bush to bush. Okay. Yeah. So, you guys uh, make your way very stealthily. Why don't you guys make stealth checks? <laughs> Big seven for Pine. Oh, that's nothing. A three for Bordemus. Oh. <laughs> Abby got an eight. <laughs> Joff got a nine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, what happened? Nari rolled a 21, so she is really <laughs> pulling her weight here. So, so Nari's sneaking around and the rest of us are a marching band. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys Joff is just loudly complaining about the smell clinging to his clothes. Oh, gosh. Well, um, luckily, you guys managed to... Um, to uh, sneak through the garden this late at night, it's it's empty. I mean, there might be a few people that are still kind of like um, enjoying a, a very late uh, rendezvous. Um, but you sneak kind of to the east and to the north. And uh, Nari, this is a little bit reminiscent for you because you're headed almost in the same direction as where you used to meet Aliyah Brava to hand off information. Uh, not quite though. You come to a point where there is, you get to the wall of the park because the park is walled off, but it's, it's only like a six foot high uh, wall. And on the other side, you can see the houses that dominate the skyline here in Arkelvy, um, just packed in right next to each other, one on top of the other, three and four story houses in some cases. Um, and uh, you're at this fence and uh, uh, Bordemus says, uh, who wants to go over first? I guess I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Bordemus is climbing over the fence. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll go. I'll make sure it's safe. And so he scrambles up over the wall and drops himself off on the other side. And then on the other side, you hear this. 
Whippoorwill, look over here. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a raven. (laughs) (laughs) Then you hear again. uh, Pine, Pine will go next. Okay. All those birds chirping at two and three in the morning. <laughs> you guys had a terrible stealth check. <laughs> you guys are just making noise like crazy. Joff will climb over too. Yeah, Nari will as well. She'll hop over that wall. Okay. And Ebby's just going to hang up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Ebby is in a stupor of thought trying to place what bird that could possibly be. <laughs> and then he'll go ahead and crawl over the, the fence as well. All right. It's not difficult to climb over. You guys, uh, you you land kind of um, in the like the back alleyway behind this row of houses. Um, you can see that up along this side of the fence, it's the, the the gardens were really well taken care of, really well manicured. But as you drop over the other side, you can see that there's like refuse and garbage and things just kind of thrown up against the wall from some of these houses. Looks like they just kind of throw their stuff out the back window. Um, it's not necessarily. Um, be like a poor part of town it's just kind of what people in the city do and then occasionally there's some people who will go through and they'll kind of clean the streets uh, and the alleyways but it's you know section by section so this garbage might have been here for weeks or it may be fresh from uh you know a couple days ago um but uh either way it doesn't smell very good um but Bordemus leads you kind of quietly as quite actually no not quietly at all he leads you stompily through um the alleys uh around these houses onto a few streets and then um you kind of come to this opening where it opens into this plaza well you know you can change your name as an adult if you like bortimer better (laughs) it it does have a better ring to it you have to be prepared to present a a legal (laughs) change of name document every time you do anything official yeah, and sometimes linking that to an old social security number can get really tricky. So just make sure that you go through the official channels. You'll have to appear in court to make sure you're not dodging any debt or, or you know, sex offender registries. And that's right, Fortiman. Just don't give up, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so great. Oh, I feel like this is uh, Parks and Rec where Jerry, Gary, Larry, and Terry are all the same person. Spoilers, Paul. Spoilers. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I mean, they're not the same person. Okay, so you come to this uh, this plaza and you can see the Temple of Erdos. Temple of Erdos is a large uh, brick building. It is uh, dedicated to Erdos, the Lord of Healing or the Cleansing Fire. Um, anybody... But you guys know the the more common lords and ladies anyway. You know that Erdos is the Lord of Healing, and he represents more of the uh, the magical, the fast, the sort of quote unnatural healing. Whereas um, the Lady of uh, of Healing, um, who would be um, uh, gosh, let me look it up real quick. I have it here. Oh, Lady uh, Twaniel uh, is actually more of the slow natural heal um so like mending a broken bone type of thing by resting for weeks that kind of thing um but you approach this building you see a a statue the statue of erdos is seen um with a staff in one hand and then holding like a a fire a ball of fire in the other hand um and there is a doorway um like uh, up some stairs there is a doorway uh, it's a big double door that um there's a sign above it and what it says is those in need enter well i think we are definitely in need pine will walk up and start opening a door okay the door opens and as the door opens you can see that uh 
there is a kind of a long um, hallway that runs off towards the other end of the building. You can see that there are some chandeliers hanging from the high ceiling and the lights are low and dim um, because it's night, but there's still some light so you can see, probably so that those people who are still uh, working can still see, but people who may be resting are able to um, are able to sleep with this dim light. But uh, I don't know that any of you have ever been inside of a temple of Erdas. But basically the way that it works is that the Temple of Erdos is where people come to get healed magically. And then attached to the Temple of Erdos, there is usually some kind of an annex, which is what we would more... Uh, associate with like a hospital, and that is like the um, the temple or the shrine to uh, Tuaniel, which is where people who can't be uh, healed by the cleansing fire by the magical means, where they can uh, rest and recuperate. Right. So both Lord and Lady are represented here, but um, definitely Erdos gets the the bigger. Um, he's number one on the call sheet, if you will. And you can see that there are like rows of beds down down either side of this um, of this main open area, the center of this temple. Um, and next to each bed, there are these little statues that represent Erdos so that people who are maybe recuperating or, or um, uh, waiting to be uh, to be treated can you know, say a prayer to Lord Erdos. Um, you see that there are a few, uh, like maybe two or three people in white robes uh, moving around, um, talking with each other, talking with or checking on people who may be laying in some of these beds. Uh, you recognize the white robes and kind of the white um, kind of uh, fringe of fabric that hangs down off the back of the of the head. Um, you actually encountered a a priest of Erdos way back at the Gallows Square in Tabury um, during that fiasco where you guys ended up killing uh, Adjudicator Rolf. Um, and these priests are dressed uh, very similarly. Is it a tasteful fringe? It is a tasteful fringe. Yes. <laughs> Although to be fair, I'm pretty sure after my listen back, um, when I listened to everything, I'm pretty sure it was actually frills, not fringe. So just a heads up. I think we were all wrong. Um, so Paul, quick question about the lore. So Lady Tawaniel, um, would she be the, like the patron deity of physicians and like, um, medicine, like those kinds of things? Yes, exactly. So like surgeons or, um, you know, people who uh, are dealing in natural remedies, that kind of thing, they would be, um, they would be more likely to pray to Tawaniel. Um, because, you know, for the majority of the world, they don't have access to priests of Erdos, right? Um, Erdos, as a general rule, the lords and ladies don't give their power to just anybody, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so even, even oftentimes, and we're going real deep here, even oftentimes in like a church of a specific Lord or lady, there may only be one or two who actually has like quote cleric power um, to act for that deity. The others are just normal people who also pledge their service to that deity. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. I was just making sure that she was more than just the deity of sitting around and waiting for your body to do stuff. No, no, she's, <laughs> she's the natural process of healing. Also, your body is kind of amazing. Let's just give your body some credit here. <laughs> this is very true. So I am a chiropractor. Um, I think we've said that a couple of times. And I just have to say that that is true. Our bodies are amazing at healing. Um, it really is. It really is pretty amazing that our bodies uh, can can come back from some of the things that they that they uh, that they go through. All right. You guys are standing in this kind of um, 
um, entrance vestibule of this, uh, of this long building. And you see these priests of Erdos um, kind of walking around doing their rounds. One of them notices you and she comes walking up to you um, slowly with her arms kind of folded in front of her. And she comes up to you and she whispers to you and she says, welcome to the temple of Erdos. Who is in need tonight? Ebi slowly raises his hand. <laughs> uh, Nari as well kind of steps forward and says, I, I would love your blessing, my lady. Oh, well, I'm, I'm flattered, but I am no lady. And then she actually, as you raise your hand, um, uh, Ebi, and, and you step forward, Nari, um, she, grab, she takes your hand gently, um, Ebi, and she takes your hand too, Nari. And she says, please, come with me. And then she starts leading you uh, into the temple. Joff will follow. I'm hurting too. <laughs> I guess it's just you and me, Bonaparte. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we stopped at Bortemann, Um, but his name is Bortimus. He, he, he's, he's, I, I've decided that all of my underwear already says Bortimus, so I'll stick with Bortimus. <laughs> It's all embroidered already. <laughs> yes. Well, let's, let's, let's keep an eye out here and make sure that there's no other interlopers in here maybe looking for us. Okay, perfect. Yes. Yes, that's a good idea. Pine and Zanzibar, you stay here at the door and we'll go deeper in. <laughs> all right. Yeah, there's actually some benches right there at the front for people who are not being treated. Pine and Bordemus, you sit down in these benches and you kind of wait. Um, this priest takes Ebi, Nari, and then um, Joff following behind. And she takes you kind of into the center of the building um, where there is like a large statue of Erdos right in the middle of the building. And there you see there is another priest of Erdos, older, um, you know, uh, wrinkled face, uh, long white hair, um, but held back and kind of tied back by that same fringe. Uh, she looks tired. Um, and just, I know it seems like all the uh, priests of Eridos that you've met so far have been women. It's not a men or women thing. This, they just happen to be women at this point. Um, and this, um, this priest uh, is, she's kind of sitting with her eyes closed. And then the priest who has your hands, she lets go of your hands and she walks forward and she whispers and she says, um, Hi, priest, we have some in need of your care. And then the older lady's eyes, they flutter open and she says, oh, of course. And she stands up and she looks at the three of you. She says, who has need of Erdas's touch this evening? My lady, I require some of Erdas's touch and blessing. Okay. So she, she holds out her hand for you to give her your hand. Ebby goes ahead and gives her his hand. Is... Ebby wearing a glove. Uh, yeah, he's still kind of wrapped in his traveling clothing. Okay, she goes to take the glove off of your hand. Uh, he's just going to let it happen. Okay, yeah. So um, she pulls the glove off and she looks down and she says, huh, a glove over a... And then she stops talking and she looks at your hand. Then she looks up and she looks you in the eye. She kind of shakes her head. And it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm just tired. And then she puts her other hand over your hand. And what exactly has affected Ebby at this point? I mean, he took um, damage that reduced his, his max. Um, I'm not sure that that can be alleviated, but he's still, even with his reduced maximum hit points, he's still down some hit points. So he's still taking damage. She heals you for uh, 14 hit points. Perfect. She says, that is 
That is what Erdos can do for you this evening. The other, the other harm I sense in you, it will come back on its own. Rest, my child, rest. And she lets go of your hand. I am most grateful. And she says, and who else has need of me? Nari will step up and, and kind of like bow her head a little bit and say, I too could use your help, my lady. Uh, I don't know what curse ails me, but I fear I've been put under some sort of spell. Okay. She takes your hand in hers. And she says, what kind of curse do you think has been wrought upon you? I mean, a chunk of my hair is missing, so I'm assuming that someone has tied themselves to me personally. Um, and I'm worried I'm being followed. She says, oh, that is disconcerting. Well, let me see what I can do for you. She touches your hand for a second and she says, no, this is, this is beyond what I can do. Hold on for just one second. And she turns around. And she starts looking through this um, this kind of this shelf. It's kind of a cupboard that's behind her. It's up against the the statue of Erdos. And um, she starts looking through these different vials. And um, after you know thirty seconds or so, she pulls one out. And it's just this stall, this small like little beaker. Um, and she hands it to you. It's got a, a cork in it. And she says, "I can give this to you, but I'm afraid that the cost of this must be recuperated." And she hands you the the vial. She says. Can you pay me 150 gold pieces to recover the cost of this? Uh, of course. Yes, if, if that's necessary, I will absolutely do that. Uh, and Nari will pull out 150 gold pieces out of her purse and, and hand them over. What does Nari's purse look like? Uh, after that, she still got a solid 400 gold, so she's not too stressed. Oh, I meant like, like, like describe her purse. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a, you know, pretty standard little satchel that she kind of keeps in her front pouch, um, kind of close to her breast and she'll pull it out and count out, you know, the, the gold pieces and hand them over. Awesome. All right. So she, she bows her head. She says, if you drink that, anyone trying to use your hair will be, will be stopped for, for at least a time. All right, Nari's going to chug it. Okay, I want you to roll a d4, and this is what's going to do. So the d4 is how many days plus one you will have non-detection on you. All right, I rolled a four. Okay, so five days. You have five Ooh. days where you are undetectable. Nice. Nice. Sweet. And now this is me, um, Paul, your benevolent DM talking. Is there anything else you wanted to talk to her about maybe dealing with? Can can you repair memories? I I think I might have been charmed and I would love to know what happened to me when someone took my hair. She she holds your hand and she says, huh, I don't detect a curse. However, if your memories were played with, then then there would be no curse to detect because any memory of the curse is gone. Let me gather myself. And she takes a deep breath. She puts your head in between both of her hands, and there is a bright light. And Nari, you and I are going to do some role-playing, just the two of us. All right, this will be interesting. Nari, instantly, you are sitting in a carriage, and sitting across from you is Aaliyah Brava. You see her 
holding your hand, saying something to the effect, I can't remember exactly what she said, but be honest with me, your life depends upon it. And at that point, you can feel in your brain, you get charmed, okay? And when you look at Aliyah Brava, you still know this is Aliyah Brava, but suddenly you, you feel as close to her as you do to, to Ember, right? You feel like this is a great friend. This is somebody that you've been through some crap with. You can trust her explicitly, okay? As we're having this conversation, remember that you trust Aliyah Brava as much as you would trust Ember, okay? Yes, I I took Ember out of the city that night. I was I was scared and I didn't know what to do. I I knew I had to decide between Nilla and Ember and I I had hoped that Nilla would be more safe where she was, but Ember and I did leave the city and we we headed towards Tabery. So so Ember is in Tabery now. L- last I heard of her, um I know that she wants to be successful and live her life outside of all the, the terrors of the Rose Syndicate. So she, she may be there still, yes. But she's, she's done with that life? As far as I know, I, she hasn't indicated that she wants to stay. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, well Nari, what, what brings you back to, to Arkelvy? Well, I came to see if the Rose Syndicate was still intact, if I could still be of service and help. And um, I wanted to make sure the rest of my sisters were survived and see if anyone was able to make it. Well, I, I have heard rumors that there is some Rose Syndicate still being formed, but I, I haven't been able to figure anything out. What, what have you figured out, Nari? Maybe we can help each other. Maybe we can work together. I haven't heard anything. I've only been in the city for a day or two. I was hoping you would be the one who would be able to give me more information as you were sort of the uh, the leader in the city. Yes. Well, um, apparently I'm I'm out of the loop at this point. Maybe maybe they fear that I'm too I don't know, toxic, but I I still have so much more to give. So much more to give to to the resistance against the empire. Are you, are you seeking out any of this rumors of the Rose Syndicate, the new Rose Syndicate? Yes, I, I obviously want to do whatever I can to help. I saw a flyer that seemed to indicate the Rose Syndicate was still alive, if just barely. Um, but again, I would think that you would know more about it than, than I do. Well, if you... If you find anything about this neuro syndicate, please, I would love, I'd love for you to, to share it with me so that I, I can help. I can help in any way I can. And then she kind of reaches up um, and kind of touches uh, your hair, you know, just kind of lovingly. And um, she is going to make a check here real quick. Um, the, uh, she rolled a, looks like an 18. What is your passive perception? Uh, 18. 18. Okay. So she, she matched your um, passive perception. So you, you feel this like little tug on your hair and, um, and then she kind of, um, pulls her hand away. So, um, you kind of realize she did something to your hair. Something seemed a little bit off, um, at that 
moment and that bitch leave the hair alone (laughs) you're having a hard time placing it Nari, because you are charmed as well by her but at this point you're aware that something's not quite right okay nari will kind of like touch the back of her head and and sort of just kind of smile absent-mindedly at at um alia brava and she says now uh, Nari, it's been it's been great to see you, and I I really hope that we can help each other. Um, here, g- give me your hand. Let me give you my blessing. Nari will you know hand over her hand and say thank you. I appreciate it. And the next thing you know, you are standing on the street um, as a carriage pulls away. Um, that is the memory that comes back to you um, uh, as you are standing there in the temple of Erdos. So I'll kind of relay that to the to the group around me and say it, it doesn't seem like. Aliyah Brava knew about or knew where the Rose Syndicate was before. I think we might have just led her led her to their door. The uh, the priest of Erdos kind of goes, "Okay, <laughs> um, anybody else need anything from me?" <laughs> <laughs> She's like she hears she sees you kind of like kind of go blank for a second, and then you that's the first thing words out of your mouth, and she's like. Maybe I shouldn't be listening in on this conversation, but I do have a job to do. So, and she motions to you, Joff, and she says, is there anything that, that I, the priest of Erdos, can do for you? Well, my ailment is one that I don't know that you can help. It's the same thing that has affected my companion here in the wrappings. She, she takes your hand and she says, uh, she, you, you can, when she takes your hand, you can feel almost a little bit of electricity go through you um, as she's kind of trying to figure out what's going on with you. And then she says, yes, yes, you, you just need, you need to rest. You need to rest. This is more of Lady Tawaliel's domain. Rest is what you what you need. Is there a place where we can rest securely here? The beds that we have here are for people who are recovering from grievous wounds and from diseases, where rest is is essential in the healing process. Basically, people who need to um, get over like levels of exhaustion, that kind of thing. Okay. Should we go back to Mr. Pine? I believe so. Thank you again, mistress. We are greatly appreciative. Yes, thank you, my lady. I appreciate all you've done for me. You won't be forgotten. I, I hope not, unless that lady gets her hands on you again. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> she doesn't say that. That was my attempt at a joke. <laughs> I was just thinking of uh, Parks and Rec, where Chris Pratt's character looks at Leslie Nope and says, you won't live to regret this. <laughs> All right. Um, she, yeah, so she motions for you. Um, she actually, um, she says, uh, thank you for visiting the temple of Erdos. And then um, the same priest who was there with you before, um, she takes you guys by the hands and she starts leading you to the opposite end of the building. Away from, um, from Bordemus and Pine. Oh, our friends are, are that way. Oh, well, we have a, a tradition here in the temple of Erdos that when you come, you are, you are injured or you are sick. And when you leave, you are whole and you leave from a different door. You leave from a different space than when you came in. But my ailment wasn't fixed. Then you may go back. Okay. <laughs> and she takes Ebby and um, Nari by the hand and she takes you guys to an opposite door. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's opposite of the entrance that you guys came in. And the, um, the sign above the door that leaves says... May it be long before your need returns you. Joff comes walking back up to Pine and Bordemus. When when Joff uh, arrives, Pine is talking to a different priest of, of Erdos, and he's saying, 
Are you sure there's nothing you can do for an enlarged prostate? (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, he reaches into a bag and he pulls out some saw palmetto and says, here you go. (laughs) This will do it for you. Thank you, thank you. Um, Super beta protein, no, what is it? Super beta prostate? Something like that. Anyway. Joff, where where are the others? Well, apparently there's a tradition in the temple where you... After you're healed, you have to exit through a different door. They've gone that way. We should see. Excuse me. Can can we go with them? I'll say to the other priest. Yes, of course. Of course. We just, it's it's tradition that those who have been healed, they should not go back to the same place where they came from. Well, he'll hold up his his tube of ointment or whatever you just gave him and be like, hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. He'll lead you guys all to the other end of the of the temple. It says preparation H on it. Nice. So, so the ointment is canon. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right so um yeah you guys are at the opposite end now of this temple um you guys all meet up there and um the priest um kind of opens the door and says this is a place for the ill and the infirm and those who are hurting you are now whole as as whole as you can be and then she kind of motions for you to to exit the temple the door is open yeah she's opened the door for you okay i want to carefully peer outside before we step outside okay it is um dark out it is cold it is um starting to get kind of you get you can see that the stars are starting to kind of disappear behind clouds but it is like you know four o'clock in the morning at this point so um you don't see many people going around you do see actually off in the distance you see some people like out like um like collecting like trash and stuff off the streets but that's about it i think until we've taken care of our snake problem we might want to find a new place to stay that's a good idea. I think that's very wise. Oh, golly, you think? Oh, thank you. Should we head back to the Lazy Leg? No. I wonder if he's given away our rooms that we paid in advance for. I'm sure he has. I think the Lazy Leg might be too conspicuous. Um, Leah Brava knows I, I worked there for a while, and I think that might be a little bit too too obvious. So I can tell you some of the different inns around town. Um, there is the Lazy Leg, but as you guys recall, you did tell him you were leaving. You were moving out. And he did suck the tear back up into his eye. That's true. <laughs> that was impressive. Jingled the purse <laughs> at you guys. Yes, it was. It was insane. All right. Um, so the different ones around town, there is one called the Crossed Candles Inn. Um, and that is up near the north gate of the city. There is um, the Imperial Heroes Inn, which is kind of right there in the Grand Market. Um, there is um, the vault, which is where Ember used to work, which is like the pit of all inns. Um, there is the Imperial Splendor Inn, where you guys already have rooms. And there is the Lazy Leg Inn. And then if we need to make up one on the fly, we can do that as well. Well, cross candles seems appropriate since my candle has been so useful. <laughs> really the MVP of the past couple of sessions. I would say so. <laughs> when he's right, he's right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right so you guys want to go up to the cross candles um it'd be quite the trek right i uh, not too bad you could probably get there in about 10 11 minutes i mean this is a a large city but it's a large like this isn't like london or paris nowadays this is like um you know a few miles across so and you guys are already north of kind of you're you're in the northern part of the city as it is okay all right yeah, Eberly Park is kind of right on the edge of where north and south. It's right on the it's, it's right on the north edge of the of the midline of the city. You guys are going to go to the Cross Candles Inn. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, you guys head back out into the street, um, and as you guys are walking along, you uh, you can see that windows are still shuttered. Um, every once in a while, you'll see that there's a light on behind one or more windows in a house, but that is few and far between. As you guys start to walk along the cobbles, you see that the uh, the cloud is uh, the sky is getting cloudier and cloudier, um, and it looks like there will probably be some rain today, which is pretty typical for this time of year in this part of the world. At one point, you get to uh, a point where you can actually see the wall that uh, runs along the north edge of the city, and you can see what you assume must be the Crossed Candles Inn. The Crossed candled Candles Inn is a uh, a large four-story building. It Instead of sprawling out, it goes up, and um, there is a sign in front of the, uh, uh, over the door that, you know how you have like crossed swords, um, that look? Well, instead, this has two lit candles that are crossed, like crossed swords. And there are some lights coming through the windows um, on the first floor. Joff will walk in. Oh, yeah, follow. Yep, same thing. Yeah, Nari will come in. You guys walk into a uh, a clean um, a clean common room. Uh, there is a a bar up against one wall. There is a desk, um, and you see that there is um, like a, there's somebody cleaning some tables. Um, they look like they're um, relatively young, probably like thirteen or fourteen, and that is really the only person in here. Just somebody who's like kind of cleaning tables, getting things ready for like a morning rush of breakfast. What does the person look like? Um, it's a young girl. She's probably like 12 or 13. She is thin. Um, she's got kind of stringy, dark hair. Um, she's wearing um, not like poor clothes, but definitely um, more like a laborer's type of clothes. You know, just a kind of a sturdy skirt and blouse. And she's got an apron on uh, that it has some like smudges of dirt and grease on it. Joff will walk up and place a silver coin on the table next to her and say, we need rooms for the night. Before I go to bed, though, I would like a bath drawn and something to eat. Rooms for the night, but it's it's practically mo- morning. She takes the silver and she- We party hard. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Tedward was in town. <laughs> Tedward, oh, yes, I, I missed him when he was down uh, in the southern part of the city. Maybe, maybe someday he'll come here to the Cross Candles. Maybe. And then she kind of looks off wistfully. <sighs> you can imagine her up in her room looking at a poster of Tedward on her wall. She, um, she says, uh, uh, of course, of course, good sirs and, and lady. And then he, uh, she goes uh, to a door that's kind of, uh, there's a staircase that goes up uh, to a second floor. There's a, a kind of a, a front desk and there's nobody behind it, but there's a door back there. And she goes to that door and she kind of knocks gently and then opens up and goes in. And then she comes out just a few minutes later and there's somebody else comes out and he's kind of rubbing his eyes. He's wearing like a sleep shirt. Uh, he's still got like the long stocking cap. He's even got like a candle on a candlestick thing, you know, like a like he's expecting Santa Claus to land on his roof. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because there arose <laughs> such a clatter, right? Um, yep. Anyway, he kind of comes out like that and he says, oh, um, yes. Uh, welcome to the Cross Candles Inn. Um, uh, it's a late, late night or I guess early morning, but um, are you here for rooms? We are here for rooms. Joff will take out one of those gold buttons and hand it over to him and say, I'd like a bath drawn and we need rooms for the night. Um, he, uh, bites it cause it's not a coin. I mean, he would bite a coin to be kind of bites it and he says, Oh, uh, of course. How many rooms would you be, would you be wanting? How many do you have right now? 
I mean, I can I can get you each your own room at this point. Ground floor for me, please. And if there's a rear exit, I'd like to be nearby. Uh, we don't actually have rooms on the ground floor. This is the ground floor. All the rooms are second floor and up. Second floor, please. Okay. All right. And each of you, do each of you want a room on the second floor? Ebby stares at Joff. <laughs> <laughs> Joff awkwardly says, just three rooms. <gasps> Bordemus uh, kind of sidles up to, uh, to Nara and he says, looks like we're sharing a room tonight. No, he doesn't do that. Oh, I totally forgot he was with us. <laughs> I did too. Hey, Bordemus kind of raises a finger and says, uh, four rooms, if you please. And then he kind of leans closer to you guys and he says, or should we stay close? Cluster, if we're going to get four rooms next to each other, maybe two on one side of the hall, two on the other, I think that should be close enough. He's like, I, I think we can make that work. Yes, I, th- I think we can. I think we can. And then he calls over and he goes, uh, Tula, Tula. And then she, the girl who was cleaning the, the, uh, uh, the table, she comes r- rushing over and he reaches underneath the desk and he hands out four keys to her. And he says, please uh, show them to their rooms. And then when you're done showing them to their rooms, Please draw up a bath for this good sir. And he kind of motions to you, Joff, waiting for you to kind of say your name. I don't need a name. For this good sir here. And she says, of course. And then she says, if you'll please follow me. And she takes you up this. um, It's one of those. uh, It's not a spiral staircase. It's a squared off staircase, but it's like it goes up and then it turns right and then it turns left and then it's onto the second floor. It's just like a, a three part stairway. Um, and so you kind of start almost right where you or end right, kind of right where you started, but one floor up. Um, and uh, you see that there is a uh, like two hallways, one going left and one going uh, straight ahead. She takes you down the one that goes straight ahead. And then she motions to two doors on either side. She says, um, so here's the rooms on this side and here's the rooms on this side. Um, and I will go um, draw you a bath. It will be downstairs in the kitchen. Um, we have a, an area that's kind of roped off, uh, curtained off for that, for that thing. Okay. I hope that will suffice. That will be fine. Um, do you have a clothes cleaning service? Um, yes, but I'm afraid it's too late to get your clothes cleaned today. All right. Okay. I'm sorry, sir. And then she rushes downstairs. I guess I'll have to have another day of gringe. So Bordemus takes one of the keys and he uh, goes into his room and he says, okay, well, um, uh, I'm, I'm actually doing okay. Um, I, I'll try to stay up and, and, and keep listening uh, to make sure that nothing's, uh, you know, trying to sneak up on us. But, uh, but I, I, will, I will kind of rest my eyes. If you, if you need anything, just, um, just knock. Um, I mean, should there be a signal? And then he goes, <whistles> like that? I mean... Sure. That'll work. <laughs> I okay. personally prefer the crested warbler sound, but that one will suffice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you need me, then uh, then I'll, I'll be in here. And then he goes into his room and he, and he shuts the door and you can hear him lock it after him. Maybe we should have a quick council before we take, take our rest. That's a good idea. Hey, um, Bortimus. He's waiting to hear your whistle. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Hui, 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 hui. He opens up the door. <laughs> Chirp. Chirp. <laughs> um, that was my impression of a chicken from Arrested <laughs> Development. <laughs> there we go. Caca, <laughs> caca. 
Has anyone ever seen, none of you have even seen a chicken? Um, all right, so he opens up the door again and he says, yeah, what, what is it? Maybe we should make some plans before we get our rest. Okay, he motions you all into his room then. Come on, yeah, come on in. Okay, I'll head in. It's a pretty Spartan room. There is a bed, there is a small table um, with a chair, and there is a like a 11 by 8, like a piece of paper size mirror that is uh, uh, resting up on the table. Um, other than that, there's like a little uh, shelf you can put some of your things on, and, and then that's it. There is also a window that looks out over the street. So Pine will take up, like, he'll kind of stand next to the door. Okay. Ebby Ebby is going to go in there too, of course. Okay. Yeah, Nari will follow in as well. Yeah, yeah, we're all there. Okay, sounds good. So Bordemus says, so uh, what do we need to talk about? I mean, are we making plans now? Well, at least so that when we do wake, we can get right to business. Of course. So here's what we know. Alia Brava is very powerful. She has magic at her disposal. She also seems to have a fairly large number of mercenaries willing to do her bidding. I don't think that they met their demise in the catacombs under, underneath the, uh, the tailor shop. She also has wealth enough to hire and afford a mercenary band. Yes. And she seems to have the favor of the Empire as well. We heard the rumor that she was working with them to spread false information. You were there, Bordemus. Yes, and, and to be staying at Eberly Manor means that if she's not wealthy, then she definitely has connections to the Empire, or both. So yes, all things are pointing in that direction. Yes, she's very dangerous. She may very well have decided to lock herself in there in, in, for the time being until she can get a handle on where we are. I, I doubt we'll find her easily within this, uh, out in the city streets. So should we try to break into the manor? I've broken into some fairly fortified locations before. I'm confident that I'd be able to get in, but I don't think I could bring all of you with me. There is the direct confrontation with her. That is always an option, and that's one for which I think we are all very well suited. There's also the possibility that we could stage a falling out between her and the Empire. If there's a way that we could frame her for something, or uh, set basically set the Empire on her trail as, as being a traitor to them, that could also solve our problem. She did double-cross them. That would be very reasonable. That's a possibility. A quick question for Paul. Since you had re-listened to it, I was combing through my inventory, and I can't remember if in some of the previous episodes of this resolved, but I was holding Adjudicator Rolf's jacket still, I believe. Pretty sure you still have it, yeah. Okay, cool. You were going to give it to artists, and then you guys decided not to. Yeah. And then I think you guys still have it, yeah. Okay, Ebby's going to say... You know, I still hold Adjudicator Rolf's jacket. What if we were to plant this kind of conspicuously upon her person or in her belongings at a time when the Empire is there and present? That's pretty risky, but it could pay off. Yeah, I mean, like I said, she's already kind of known as a double crosser. That, that could definitely be enough to make the Empire not trust her. I mean, her, her subtitle is The Snaky Bitch. <laughs> That's a valid point, and one doesn't get a subtitle like that without being very snaky or bitch-like. <laughs> we could write a correspondence from us to her saying that we did as she 
instructed and murdered him. What if this correspondence with the jacket were to fall into the Empire's hands immediately and not be on her person? What if we just somehow had it so that way they, the Empire came upon it and it all pointed towards her? The, the obstacle here is being convincing about it. Um, this is obviously not my area of expertise, but I think it's definitely worth pursuing, at least as a thought experiment. So um, Bordemus says, what are you doing with an adjudicator's jacket? Oh, it's a long story. A friend of mine was going to be hanged. And so, um, and then he goes on and tells the entire story. Okay. Ebby laughingly says, we killed them all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he says, you truly are formidable. I think it's just being in the right place at the wrong time. That kind of sums up my interactions with these people. It's been wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Nari snorts loudly and looks at Joff and is like, yeah. We're the people who are causing the issues here. <laughs> we're the drama. When we when we first met, these two pretended to be a couple. He goes, I, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sounds like you guys are working on a um, a plan then to try to frame Aaliyah Brava for the murder of Adjudicator Rolf. Very interesting. So we have... Now we have evidence, but we don't have motive. Why would she want Adjudicator Rolf out of the way? Could we, would we make it look like she's double dealing, still working with Fallen Heaven? I think that may make sense. Yeah, I mean, she could be trying, trying to play both fields at the same time. Greed is always a a pretty base instinct for many people. Unfortunately, I don't think Fallen Heaven has much um, financial gain in it. As uh, then when you say that, Pine kind of jingles his coin purse. Joff will say, we could just link Adjudicator to the fall of the roses the first time. She could be angry at him for the hand he played in that in the past. I guess I would just be worried that she would um, she would have been involved somehow in the fall and, and that might not pass. I have I have no doubt that she was involved in the fall of the Rose Syndicate. And in fact, I think that we're at a disadvantage because we do not know what she was actually promised for her betrayal. What was her reward? Ordemus shrugs. Anyone who wants to make a history check can make a history check. Oh, you know it. Pine got a eight. Nari rolled an 18. Joff got a 16. Ebby rolled a, a 12. Joff, you and Nari, as you guys are talking about, you know, framing... Aliyah Brava for the murder of a of an adjudicator. One thing that kind of kind of comes to both of you at the same time is if you were to to um, frame Aliyah Brava for the murder of an adjudicator, that would more than likely be something that would be taken up by the adjudicators themselves. I think you guys have kind of gleaned that adjudicators, um, their word is law. Um, they are seen as kind of judge and lawgiver. Um, all in the name of the Empire, uh, there's a good likelihood that if you could get Aaliyah Brava framed, she could, if nothing else, be um, be um, arrested until maybe an adjudicator could come to to try her case. Like, that's a, that's a possibility. So if nothing else, you might be able to just kind of stop her for a time. 
At least five days time. <laughs> there you go. Five days isn't enough. If we really want to stick it to the Empire here, we need to take out their, their pawn. We need to take out Aaliyah Brava permanently. You want to murder her? Or put her in a deep, dark prison from which she'll never escape. <laughs> I want to murder her. At this point, I don't know if it's so much murder as avenging. How do you decide who gets murdered and who doesn't? I mean, she she had our entire syndicate slaughtered. If what happened is true, I think that death would be a mercy for her. And let's be clear here. This is war. We are enemy combatants. This wouldn't be murder. This would be justified killing. Bordemus says, I think whether we kill her or whether we put her away, I think she, she needs to be out of the picture. She is, she's dangerous. If we get her arrested and get her into the prisons, then she won't have her mercenaries to protect her. We could sneak into the prisons perhaps easier than her estates. Well, maybe you could. Not this guy. <laughs> and, and he's pointing to himself. <laughs> but he's looking directly at Bordemus. Yeah, Bordemus is like, who, me? <laughs> oh, no, you. <laughs> well, and depending on what they decide to do with her, I mean, the Empire is not kind. She might no longer be our problem if we play our cards right. There's two options we've discussed so far. One, an actual attack on Aaliyah Brava. Attempt to storm Eberly Manor. Two, attempt to frame her for the murder of the Adjudicator. Help her fall from favor with the Empire. Um, another option could be to lure her out, to set a trap for her specifically. We need to know what would entice her and how we could go about doing that without alerting her suspicions. I can't recall if Nari had shared this with the broader group, but did Nari share the fact that Aaliyah was asking about Ember? Uh, I think I shared it with, well, yeah, at this point, I probably would have shared it with everyone. Yeah. Okay. So Ebby will say, you know, if, if we do want to go that route of trying to get her out into the open, then it's possible that we might be able to pay to disseminate some information that Ember is back in town and at a certain location. And then we could just wait to see if she appears. Bordemus speaks up. He says, there is one other option. I mean, I, I'm not too keen on going back down there, but uh, there's tunnels all over underneath this city. There's, there's bound to be one that will get us into Eberly Manor. I mean, we were close as it is when we left the, uh, the tunnels. It would be far easier for us to climb into a window in the middle of the night than to meander through tunnels and risk fighting more specters and, and angry old spirits. Unless we had a map. And we know a place where we can find forbidden information. Lost and hidden information. That's true. Plus, I, I was going to finish my book. I have to return it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you do raise a good point. We, I don't need the Allele and Me book anymore. Do you want to give it to Bordemus? I don't believe that I can give it away. <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> I have, to, I have to admit, I am liking this idea. There are multiple entry points, multiple exit points. It is dangerous down there. I think if we prepare ourselves um, more in advance, I think we could actually make an assault on Eberly Manor from below. If there, if there was a way we could trick her, get her to send out her mercenaries again, 
Maybe there was a sighting of Nilla. Uh, maybe Ember come, came back to town. But a way to get some of the forces away. We may be able to sneak into Eberly Manor and, and, and deal with Aaliyah Brava. I would be worried to go through all those tunnels and, and come out the other side weary and battle-worn and then face a rested enemy. Paul, can you describe kind of the environment around Eberly Manor? Sure. So Eberly Manor is a walled off manor. Um, so it has a, a high wall, probably 15 feet uh, that goes all the way around it. On the south end of the manor, um, there is a gate that allows you in. This is the Eberly Manor is more like when you think of a movie where they go to like a ball at the palace. That's more what Eberly Manor is like, whereas Mason's Keep is more like the the strong stone, like a fortified position. Eberly Manor is uh, almost um, almost palatial uh, in its in its uh, bearing. And so um, you can go into this gate. There's like a courtyard and then there are separate. It's, it's all one building and kind of a horseshoe shape, but there's different sections. And one thing that you guys um, uh, may have gleaned, but Bordemus can definitely clue you in on is that there is part of Eberly Manor that is actually semi open to the public. And it is basically like a museum. Um, it is a very carefully curated museum um, that is very careful not to mention anything about the old kingdom of Everlyn, but it does depict certain things from the past of, um, of this area. And so that is, I say, semi-open to the public. It does cost a lot of money and people of certain status, um, meaning like lower um, economic status, are not permitted to go in. I say we just... Walk in the front door. I'm a little less keen on the walking in the front door piece, but ultimately I'm with you all. So whatever we decide as a group, I'll go with it. Yes, I don't I don't think I would be able to personally walk through the door. Um, Nari kind of gestures to her seven foot tall body. If that's if that's the best way to go, I can definitely do my part to try and cause a distraction. Well, I could. I could sneak in. Perhaps Mr. Pine and I could enter with Ebby as a an automaton servant. We could make our way around the back, throw a rope over the wall, and you could climb over and meet us. And then we could sneak into the house from there. Well, we could take the tool and one of us could find a cupboard to hide in or something until nightfall. Yeah. I, I don't think that they do tours, but... I meant to, you know, see the museum. Right, right. We do have access to one other tool, and that is uh, Philo. Um, he has some some powers that might be beneficial, but I think that they're limited. Um, I don't think he can take more than one person with him when he makes his um, his water jumps. And you have a memory of Philo, um, the blue-skinned guy from our, our last session, where he kind of touched the air in front of him and it rippled like water, and then he jumped through and disappeared with Nilla. Bartimaeus says, that's, that's a possibility. If we're doing this from multiple angles, I it's going to sound crazy, but I have an imaginary friend of sorts that <laughs> might be able to help us communicate through this, even if we can't see each other. Don't ask me any questions. <laughs> oh, okay. When the time comes, I don't know how else to describe it. As you say that, you can see standing over in the corner, you can just catch a really quick glimpse of Squire standing there, like leaning up against the wall with his arms folded. And then he says, what? Now I'm running messages for you? And then he disappears. <laughs> He's not happy about this, but I have a way where we would be able to communicate. 
Hmm. Well, okay. Well, we have some options. Perhaps we should sleep on it and talk again after we've been rested. Yes, I agree. All right, Bordemus says, yeah, I think that I think that rest, I think maybe we'll see more clearly uh, in the light of day, you know, <laughs> just a few hours off. <laughs> um, and then he kind of stands up. Well, this is your room. I mean, we'll leave. I was going to escort you out and be polite and 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 walk you to the door. He takes two steps and he's at the door. Here you go. <laughs> Here's the door. <laughs> Sleep well, Bortimus. I um, it has been a pleasure to fight by your side. Thank you. You 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 as well, uh, Mister Pine. Pine will give him the Menary salute, and he gives you another salute. It is different. Um, it is um, basically he takes like um, two fingers, like the peace sign, and he puts them up against his forehead, like so his palm is facing outwards with the peace sign and he puts it up against his forehead and then uh, pulls his hand down. Yeah, and then remember the Menoree salute was uh, wrapping against the chest three times, kissing three fingers, and then raising them to the sky. All right, you guys all go back into your rooms. So Pine, you have a room. Joff, you have a room. Nara, you have a room. And Ebby is going where? He's coming with me. Oh! Oh! Well, finally, I have a room to myself. I can sleep nude. (laughs) (laughs) Joff um, heads downstairs to the bath that was prepared. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Everybody else is just going to go to bed? Yeah, I'll just be playing it cool, you know? I'm good. I'll just be up there. No biggie. You take your time. (laughs) All right. So during this rest, Ebby, did you want to do any more studying while everyone else is sleeping? Yeah, I'd love to, to pull out the Crystal Codex and do a little bit more reading. Perfect. Okay, so you start studying, and as you're studying, Joff is down taking his bath, and in fact, you're still studying before, uh, by the time that Joff uh, comes back up, and Joff goes to sleep, Nari, you're asleep, Pine, you're asleep, Um, Ebby, you are sitting there reading through the Crystal Codex for hours. Um, So what I need you to do, I need you to roll, at this point, we had a D10 last time, this time we need a, a D8, and go ahead and roll it two times. Okay. So, have you rolled a two twice? Okay, so roll that two. Roll one of them again. Okay. One of the D8s, a seven. So, a two and a seven. Okay. Now, I mean, just a heads up, when you rolled a nine and a ten, I mean, those are some pretty juicy ones. Some of these are winners. Some of these are just kind of for fun. But as you read through um, this book, you glean a couple more things. Again, just a quick reminder that the vast majority of this book is just dealing with like specific contraptions and and mechanical things and kind of how they're built. And you're just kind of gleaning things, um, kind of reading between the lines, right? Um, so, uh, he writes about mastering arcane traditions and then switching to delving into the natural world. He mentions forming a deep love for growing things. And he even sought to create a means through the combination of arcana and nature to grow his own things. And he calls it Ormec, which is short for organic mechanism. Ebby, when you read that, you just instantly know Ormec. That sounds right. Deacon never sounded right. Ormec, that sounds right. And you hear Neam's voice in your head and just quickly says, Lord Moshe, give me your power and I will make you the most beautiful garden. 
and then fades away. And the other thing that you glean is that he, at one point, he is, he painstakingly details the construction of a complex crystalline matrix. And only at the end of this pages and pages worth of notes does he mention what is its intended use, and that is to hold consciousness. And again, you hear Neum talking uh, uh, in your in your brain, and it sounds like he's talking to somebody and he says, no, no, not capture, hold, protect, house one's consciousness. It will all be by choice. No one will be forced. Then there's a pause. And he says, yes, yes, before it's implemented, I will make sure there are proper safeties in place. It will be so secure. Not even the lords and ladies will be able to use it to their ends, nor this angel of inevitability. And then again, the voice fades away. And Ebby, you, you kind of close the book after reading for what seems hours and actually was hours. And as you glance towards the window, you can see, even though the drapes are drawn, you can see the light of day uh, is coming through the curtains. And it has been now a long rest for everybody. So any of your hit points that you lost that could not be regained except for with a long rest have now been regained. It is a new day, and we are going to stop there for tonight. Awesome session, Paul. Very cool. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, well, great. I had a great time, too. Uh, Thank you for playing. And all of you who are still listening, thank you so much for listening. We love it that you guys are excited about what we're doing. Uh, As you can tell, we're excited, too. So go ahead and leave us a review. Uh, Go uh, rate us. Um, Check out our Patreon if you want to. Uh, But other than that, um, we hope you guys have a great night. And until next time, have a great time.